Hello and hello. Welcome to the Crimson Anchor Ministries Podcast. This is your host, Austin Mars. If you are wondering um, why such a weird title for a podcast such as Crimson Anchor, well, it comes from Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verses 19 through 20, where it talks about how Christ is our hope and our anchor. And so I just put the two together, the Crimson Blood of Christ and how Christ is our hope and anchor, and put the two together. Uh, the purpose of this podcast is to challenge the skeptic, to make him think, and also to inform the Christian on how to defend their beliefs. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different things over the course of this podcast. And so without further ado, I'm going to jump right in, and we're going to get started with the first topic. The first topic that I want to bring up uh, for this podcast is called, Is Christianity a Straightjacket? Uh, many of you guys know that a straitjacket is something used to restrain a crazy person. So often people claim that Christianity is a straitjacket because it restricts and limits uh, those who believe in it. Uh, last year I had to read a book for one of my classes um, called The Reason for God by Timothy Keller. And in this book he basically gives an apologetic view of why there is a God. And in one of the first chapters, he talks about how Christianity is often viewed in our society as a straitjacket and how it limits people to fully bloom into their whatever capabilities they have. They believe that it is a straitjacket in the sense that it is culturally binding. They believe it is a straitjacket because it makes a power play and bullies other religions. And they believe that absolute truth is the enemy of freedom. So first, let's start with that. Is absolute truth the enemy of freedom. First, let's define the term absolute truth. Absolute truth is something that is true at all times, in all places, no matter the circumstances. For example, there are no, there are no square circles. There's no such thing as a square circle. That is a hard point to argue because how many people have seen square circles? I haven't. I don't know about y'all. Gravity exists on earth. It's hard to argue that gravity does not exist. You jump up and down, you can clearly see that gravity is hard at work. You fall down the stairs, you definitely know that gravity is working. Water and food are necessary for survival, and, and, and another good example, one cannot go weeks without food and water because you will, you will definitely die. We live in a society that is dominated by relativism. So, another term to define, what is relativism? It is this... It is a doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, or historical context and are not absolute. For example, I could say that the New York Yankees are the best baseball team to ever exist because of our long-running history and 27 World Series pennants under our belts. But that claim is sadly relative because other people think that their teams are better. The case for saying that the Yankees are the best team is only relative to Yankees fans and people maybe outside of that circle. It's the same way if you say that a certain movie or a certain TV show is the best of all time. That too is relative because it may be relative to you and to some other people, but not for the entirety of the world. Unlike gravity, which affects everyone, and not to mention the necessity of, of eating and drinking water and food. 
all those sports teams are trivial and so are movies and TV shows. I feel that makes my point about, how, about defining how relativism works. In, this, in society today, we have taken things that should be considered absolute truth, like gender, how many genders there are, the family, and even bathroom signs, and we have taken them and we have made them relative. To make the statement that all truth and everything is relative and left up to each person to define is a self-defeating statement. It either includes itself or it excludes itself. If it includes itself, that means that the statement is not always true. But if it excludes itself, it is implying an absolute by saying that absolutes don't exist. You make the argument to someone that there is only one God, and a person says, well, yeah, that may be the case for you, but it's not the case for me. That is liberal relativism at its finest. In our society, because of liberalistic belief, this, this liberalistic belief of relativism, we say that it is okay to be whatever you want and identify as whatever you want. It is perfectly fine for people to identify as something they clearly aren't because truth is relative. You create your own reality and your own perception of reality, therefore it is okay to be whatever you want to be. And society shouldn't judge you for that because it's true to you. Society then allows anyone to create a fantasy version of itself, a true alter reality, which is nothing more than a lie. And truth is an enemy to be feared and ridiculed. Freedom comes not just from knowing the truth, but knowing where the source from that truth comes from. People get offended with the absolute truth claim that Christianity has, that there is a God who created the earth, all of mankind is sinful, these absolute truths are somehow offensive? Why? Why is that the case? But anyways, denial in absolute claims is an absolute claim within itself. If you say there are no absolute truths and no absolute claims, you are making an absolute claim. If you try to explain away all assertions of truth as one or the other, or something else, you find yourself in an untenable position, which is a position that cannot be defended. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Abolition of Man, he says you cannot go on explaining away forever. You'll find that you have explained explanation itself away. You cannot go on seeing through things forever. The whole point of seeing through something is to see through it. It is good that a window should be transparent because the street or garden beyond it is opaque. How, if you saw that the garden too, a wholly transparent world, is an invisible world? To see through all things is the same as not to see. The two statements go hand in hand. If you claim that absolute truth claims are a power play, then by saying there is no such thing as absolute claims, it in of itself is also a power play and an absolute claim. To see through all things is the same as not to see. Another common reason that people tend to avoid Christianity is because they believe that it is, it is very exclusive, and by being so, it excludes groups of people, which I understand their reasoning for believing this, but it is indeed wrong thinking to throw only Christianity into that same club of exclusiveness. Mainly because all other religions are the, exactly the same way. There's no way on earth that our society could function properly without exclusivity to some extent. For example, the Planned Parenthood community 
cannot really have someone in the program that was staunchly against abortion in the same fashion someone who was a part of the hierarchy of the pro-life organization, Love Life, could not come out and say, oh, I now support abortion, and expect to stay in that organization. They would be asked to step down immediately. Exclusiveness is a part of our culture. In communities, there are boundaries that must be held in order for the community to remain in one piece. If communities don't exclude people, they have no unity and no form whatsoever. Now, for the Christian, churches have to be exclusive to a degree. We cannot let people who are not saved serve in the church. We cannot let people who are knowingly living in sin to serve in the church because that is detrimental. And if your church is allowing that, then they are either way off base or they are not practicing proper church discipline. Paul gives us boundaries and limitations on those who can serve in the church, those who can lead in the church, especially pastors, elders, and deacons. For example, overseers must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sensible, respectable, not an excessive drinker, etc. In order for the church to function, there has to be this form of excluding people who don't need to be in positions of authority or in volunteer spots because their way of life contradicts what the Bible teaches. Now, for the Christian individual, it is not okay in your everyday lifestyle to exclude people who are lost or just not like you. You and of yourself are not a community. You are a person. Your goal should be to befriend the lost person, show them Christ, and be a witness to them in hopes that the gospel becomes vivid and true to them and so that they believe and have a chance to be a part of this great community we call the church. Granted, churches and church people are not perfect. Like a pastor once said, churches are a hospital for the sinners, not a museum for the saints. Churches are a place for people to learn how to become more like Christ. But that is a tangent for another time. Look to our example of Jesus. He died with prostitutes and tax collectors, people who were bottom feeders in their society. If God made man, can talk to sinners and be friends with them, you can be friends with your lost co-worker who gets on your nerves. You can talk to that gay person you know. You can befriend the Muslim person you know. Make them feel included. Christianity is not a straitjacket. It is not limited to culture. The biggest example of this is in the Bible itself. In Acts 15, we are given an example of a false gospel being spread, telling people that unless you were circumcised, you could not be a Christian. Paul addresses this in Acts 15, and he writes to the Gentiles in verses 22 through 29. Then in the following verses, it tells of how the Gentiles were encouraged and uplifted by what they had heard. Continuing with its theme of many cultures following Christ, it is evident in Revelation 21 and 22, talking about New Jerusalem and what eternity with Christ would look like. Specifically, in Revelation 21, 22, 27, which is what I will read. This is what the Word of the Lord says. I did not see a temple in it because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God illuminates it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never close by day because it will never be night there. They will bring glory and honor of the nations into it. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those in the Lamb's book of life. 
we get this picture of the nations. They will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. This gives us a picture of an idea of every nation and every tribe and tongue will be present when Christ returns. Also, I'd like to point out Revelation 7, chapter 9, talking about the multitude from the great tribulation. It says, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. This is, this is what kingdom diversity looks like. Christianity is not a straitjacket, as you can see, because it includes people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and of every language imaginable in it. So, there's no such thing as a Christian culture. Christianity adapts based on the culture that it is put into. Theology for a person, someone living in Western society is going to look different than somebody who's facing persecution in the Middle East or in like places like North Korea. The theology looks different and it adapts to the areas that it is placed into. Christianity started out as Jewish, then Greek, then Hellenistic, then Eastern Europe, then it moved to the West. And it is already spreading like wildfire. For example, in Sub-Sahara Africa, which includes nations like Sudan, Zimbabwe, Madagascar, and Ghana, they are already growing in vast numbers in Christianity. As of 2010, there were just over 500 million Christians in Sub-Saharan Africa. But by 2050, the estimated growth is to be over 1 billion. China is expected to surpass the, the Americas in growth by 2030. So yeah, open your closed Western culture eyes and look around you. Christianity is not a straitjacket. And if it is, why are so many people hungering for so many things that are similar to it? Just like Islam, Mormonism, and so on. There is something that is inherently within us that desires to worship something. It's just twisted because of our fallen nature. If Christianity is a straitjacket, why are so many people becoming Christians every single day by the thousands or millions? So in conclusion, I hope that I have made my point. Christianity is the furthest thing from a straitjacket. Denial of absolute truth is it's just plain foolish. How exclusiveness is impossible to avoid in our culture, how Christianity adapts and grows with each culture, and how the Christian should respond in light of these things. Thanks for tuning in to the first podcast episode of Crimson Acre Ministries. I'm Austin Morris. Thank you for tuning in.